Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad to see you again this week and hope that uh, we get to your question today. Uh, if you wonder what that means, if you're a first-time viewer, it means we just answer viewers' questions here. Uh, we take them all through the show and at other times also there's a phone number and a website on your screen. Uh, we want to know what you would like us to talk about on Know Your Bible and help you know your Bible better. So that's what we do and uh, of course we always get too many to keep up with plus we have to tape the show so we can get closed captioning added and all that. So it'll be a few weeks before uh, your question you called in today will be on the air but I hope we get to it today if you called one in a few weeks ago. So uh, that's the way we operate and any kind of question is fair game. A lot of them are real technical questions about the Bible and a lot of them are just life questions. Uh, something going on in your family or maybe on the front page of the paper and you just can't believe this. You say, what is going wrong here? And what's the Bible say about that? And we'd be happy to try to give you the biblical principles on uh, any kind of question that you might come up with. So that's what we do here and uh, we need to get started. So Toby, jump in here and uh, join, the, join the picture. Toby Levering's with us today. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Glad you're here and ready to go. Uh, let's give our viewers a question, and then I think you get the first one today. The sister of Moses and Aaron. Who was the sister of Moses and Aaron? We'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program, but that'll give you and your family a little test of some Bible trivia. All righty, Toby, give her the give us first one here. I have a security question. A right. viewer asks, "Should I be afraid to die? I am kind of afraid to get ready to pass away." Well, uh, to be quite honest, I think most of us identify with that fear um, because none of us knows what happens beyond death. And we know what Scripture says about it, but if you think of death kind of like a doorway and we know everybody has to go through that door, but we don't really get to see what's, what exactly is behind the door. And so there's a little bit of fear and trepidation as we think about our moment when we go through the door. <laughs> uh, it's a not a great illustration. Maybe another one you can relate to is flying. Some people, you know, afraid of flying. And I talked to a lady this past week. This is going to be her first time ever. She's uh, in her 60s, and it's the first time she's ever been on an airplane. She's getting ready to go, and she's very nervous about it. Now, she can look at, you know, she knows all the, you know, statistics, and it's a very safe thing. It's safer than driving. Uh, but still, and you get on that plane, and they shut the door, and you go into the air, uh, it is probably a fearful thing, mainly because it's unknown. And so that's what I, I'm going to deal with this on two levels. One is if you're afraid of the unknown, because, you know, none of us know what it's like until we go through the door, uh, that is totally understandable. And I believe God understands that, uh, it relates to that because Jesus, when he was here on this earth, understood that we humans don't know what it's like on the other side of death. 
But the second part of being afraid of hell, being afraid of the eternal judgment, well, I've got good news for you. You can do something about that. And you can have peace that passes all understanding uh, if you get your life uh, under the authority of Christ. And when you put him on in baptism, uh, you don't have to fear what's beyond the door. Uh, You may fear it because you don't know what's coming, but you can be ready for it, and that's very important. So, though we don't know exactly what's beyond, we all need to be ready. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28 together. And there it reads, Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and He will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation for those who are waiting on Him. So I understand being afraid of it, perfectly understandable, uh, but you can prepare for it and you can be ready for it. And I hope you'll do that. Alrighty. Question about the beginning of time and creation here. Uh, viewers figured out that Genesis 1, 24-27 says animals were created before man. But Genesis 2, verses 7 and 19 say man was created before the animals. Well, uh, you may never heard that uh, theory before, and I hadn't heard it exactly that way uh, with verses to prove it, uh, but that's not exactly the way it happened. Uh, the trick is understanding the change between chapter 1 and chapter 2. And if you're just reading and not reading carefully, I understand exactly where this viewer is coming from, but let's see if we can read it uh, properly and help understand. The first chapter of Genesis is about the creation of the universe, creation of the whole world. And it starts that way. In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth. He made everything. And then it tells how He did that in summary. Starts out, um, separated the land and water. He did all those things. Made light, made the sun and moon. Gives it that in order. And then it gets down to 24, 27, where that viewer referenced that He made man. Let us make man in our own image. So he created male and female. Okay? And then it talks about him blessing them. And then it says at the end of verse 31, it says that was the sixth day. Okay? So he's covered the six days of creation. And then chapter 2 starts off and says now on the seventh day God rested. So that first chapter is all about the creation. Then God rests. Then verse 4 is the key verse. We know we're changing topics now. Verse 4 it says, uh, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. It ends what we were talking about. That's when how the universe got created. And then uh, verse 4 says, it literally, these are the generations. This is the story of mankind. Okay, so God told us about the whole creation and then He goes into detail about the life of mankind. He doesn't tell us about the life of giraffes or what happened to rhinoceroses after the creation or anything else. He goes into the story of man. And that's what verse 4 is starting. The story of mankind. So it tells again how he made man, uh, Adam and Eve in detail. And then immediately tells about how they were tempted and about their children and goes on to generations and the flood. and That's the rest of the story of Genesis is the whole history of mankind. Okay? Now, what our viewer pointed out in verse 7 of chapter 2 is where it says He 
made man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Okay, that's just detail on what it covered in summary over in chapter 1. In summary, he made man and woman. Now in chapter 2, he's given us some more details. He made him out of the dust of the ground. He breathed into his nostrils. He became a living being. Then he made Eve from a rib and all that. And then the verse that our viewer caught was verse 19. It says that then, then he brought all the animals to Adam for him to name them. So if you're not paying real close attention, it sounds like he made Adam and Eve, and then he brought all the animals in. Well, key word in verse uh, 19, it says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to name. Okay, So they were already made, just like Genesis 1 said. The animals were made on the same day, or the beasts on the ground were made on the same day, sixth day as Adam, and birds were made earlier and fish earlier and all that. So he says he had made all of them, and now he brought them to Adam and Eve. Once more, just more detail that's been summarized up in chapter 1. So I know that took a little time to explain, but uh, that's the answer is chapter 1 is a summary of all the universe being created. Chapter 2 starts the story of man and repeats a little bit about man's creation and tells how it happened and how they fell and got kicked out of the garden and the world went bad and Noah came and on and on. That's the generations of man that's told from chapter 2 on. So read it that way and I think you'll see animals, then man, it's the way it happened. Okay. Only one question left after all that. Where'd the angels come from? Well, I'll see what we you can do here. One? I okay. think I got that one. <laughs> Viewer asked, where did angels come from and what purpose do they have? Well, the first question a little tougher to answer. The Bible doesn't say. The second question uh, is, is a little bit easier because the Bible does say. Angels is a very interesting subject. We know that they are separately created beings. We know that they are higher than human beings, but lower than deities. So they're somewhere between us and God. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 7 through 14 is a good section where you can read, and he's comparing their angels and Christ, and he's kind of saying, you know, angels are interesting. They are real. They do have a purpose. But don't don't get uh, don't stumble on them. Don't uh, give them worship. Don't give them adoration. They are merely servants, and that's the word originally in Greek. Uh, angelos simply means a servant, and that's what angels seem to do. Um, uh, they are made for the sole purpose of serving the Lord and doing what He asks. That's verse 14, which is not on the screen, says, Are not all angels ministering spirits? I'm sorry, it is on screen. <laughs> are not all angels ministering spirits sent to those, sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Uh, some people take that and say, Well, all believers have guardian angels. I don't know if that verse is exactly saying that. I think the idea here is that angels are servants. And they serve at the bidding of the Most High God. And whatever He needs done, the angels are involved in the doing of it. Very interesting subject. The Bible has a few things, just enough to sort of whet our appetite, but doesn't give us the full picture. So uh, we are no, no, uniquely created. We don't know how that happened and when that happened. And, but we do know that their purpose is to serve <coughs> the living God. So a quick answer on a deep subject, but I think Hebrews is a good book to read to help them get some perspective on angels.
We don't know much about angels. We know. People love to study it and yep. theorize about it, but there's uh, not much in there about yeah. them. And I guess we'll get to talk to them when we get there and find we out. We shall see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about a good way to study the Bible uh, with you. We, at your home, with without our help, we enjoy answering questions and hope that helps you learn a little bit about the Bible each week. But uh, there's so much in the Bible that we don't, we'll never get to if we had uh, lots and lots and lots of years. Uh, home Bible study is a good way to find out what the Bible has to say to you uh, and to learn a lot more about it. And in fact, if you do a little bit of study with our free Bible study materials, you'll be able to answer a lot of the questions that we cover on the the program. Uh, we've got some different courses that we're happy to send you. All you have to do is call on the phone number or log into the website and say, I'd like to try that free course. And we'll send you lesson number one. You sit down in your own home with your own Bible and take as much time as you want. Uh, it tells you to read some parts of the Bible, then ask you a few questions to make sure you got the point. Uh, you do that, send it back to us, and we give you the postage stamp, by the way. Uh, you send it back to us and we'll score it for you and send you lesson number two. For instance, the first lesson you see there is the Old Testament. That's where you'll start. It'll tell you who wrote the Old Testament and when and some of the happenings in it. Uh, help you understand what the Old Testament is about. What's the story of the Old Testament? Uh, you send that back to us. We'll score it for you and then send you lesson number two, which is the New Testament. And you learn about what that part of the Bible is about. Well, after those first two lessons... Uh, you'll have the answer to a lot of the questions we get on Know Your Bible because a lot of them are, uh, that's the trouble. People don't understand the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament and uh, you'll know that. So you'll be way ahead of a lot of folks. Good way to study the Bible. We're happy to provide it absolutely free of charge. Give us a call, log on. We'll get it started for you and you can know your Bible a little bit better. All right, I got a question about the Churches of Christ uh, who provide this program for you, by the way. Uh, why do Churches of Christ call themselves non denominational? Well, I think the easiest answer to that is we think we are non denominational. Uh, and since we think we are non denominational, that's one thing we say, it's one answer we give. Uh, what denomination are you a member of? Well, we're not really a denomination. Uh, we're the independent, uh, autonomous churches of Christ, and it's not really a denomination. Now, since that person asked that in that phrasing, I assume that they take a little issue with that. They probably think we are denominational. And so let's think about what's denominational for a moment. Uh, first of all, denomination means something is named. It's a nomination, it means name. Uh, our money is a good example. Uh, a $1 bill is different from a $5 bill. Those are denominations. Uh, we've named this. We said it's worth a dollar. We've named this. We said it's worth $5. Another sense it's used uh, is in the religious sense. And the official dictionary definition of that is, here's one of them. Let me put this on the screen. A religious denomination is a subgroup within a religion that operates under a common name, tradition, and identity. Let's leave that up for just a second. So what that says is within Christianity, let's say, a denomination is a subgroup of Christianity that operates under a common name, a tradition, and identity. All right. So 
if our viewer thinks we are a denomination, we would be a subgroup of Christianity. Uh, I'd agree with that. We are <coughs> a subgroup of Christianity. But operating under a common name, tradition, and identity, uh, we're pretty close, but we're not all, we haven't all got the same tradition. We haven't got the same identity in a lot of things. Uh, sometimes we don't even have the same name. Uh, in general, we call ourselves Churches of Christ because that's a biblical name. You can find it in Romans 16, 16, and we try to do everything by the Bible. But there's other traits of a denomination that we don't have. Denominations have, I know it wasn't in the dictionary definition, but <clears throat> denominations have a headquarter. Uh, they usually have a creed. They write down, here's what we believe as a denomination. Uh, they have a hierarchy. They, they decide how they're going to govern themselves and whether the, the higher-ups uh, dictate to the congregations or, or the congregation sends representatives up to the hierarchy. and uh, All of that has to be settled if you want a real denomination. Uh, you can't find a Church of Christ headquarters. Uh, we don't have one. Uh, we don't have a hierarchy. <clears throat> we don't have anything above the independent local congregation. Uh, Northside calls itself a Church of Christ uh, because we believe in the restoration principles. We want to uh, follow the New Testament as closely as we can. And uh, we believe that Church of Christ is a good biblical name, so we call ourselves that. Nobody else can tell us what to do, and we don't tell anybody else what to do. Uh, the other churches that you see me advertise here each week, the East Point Church of Christ in Wichita, the uh, the Pratt Church of Christ, all of that. Uh, they believe that if we could follow the New Testament, we'd be unified. They agree with that principle. Uh, so they call themselves a Church of Christ, uh, but they don't tell us what to do, and we don't tell them what to do. Uh, sometimes we cooperate. Uh, for instance, the uh, Derby Church of Christ believes that Know Your Bible is a good work, uh, so they send us some finances to help us stay on the air. Uh, we cooperate in that way, but there's no headquarters, there's no hierarchy, there's no, we don't send money to any board to distribute it among churches or the way denominations operate. So, back to my answer, not only do we think we're non-denominational, that's the way we operate. Uh, we don't operate like a denomination in any way. So, uh, that's what we are, a, a movement, if you will toward just New Testament Christianity. That's our plea on the Bible, uh, on this program. It's how we answer every question. Here's what the Bible says. It's in what our creed says or what our uh, governing board says. We turn to the Bible to try to find the answer. And I think we worship and operate and uh, all the things we do are non-denominational. So hope that explains it a bit. You got one about worship. Got a little bit of terminology question here. A viewer asks, "Is the term worship service found in the New Testament?" Well, the term worship is and service is, but not together that I could find. 
we know that the early Christians worshipped together. Uh, Acts chapter 2 tells <coughs> us that they were all together and that they were continually studying the, the apostles' doctrine and praying and fellowshipping and uh, uh, breaking of bread and, and uh, singing. We know that that occurred and with regularity every first day of the week. Uh, we know that that's something early Christians did. No problem uh, seeing that quite easily as we look through the book of Acts. Um, so that phrase is not found. Uh, I think it's just terminology that we use to refer to what happens on the first day of the week. Um, that may happen at different times, and uh, uh, the order may look a little different here and there. But in general, I like the term because worship service Service reminds us that it's, the worship is not about us. And this is where worship leads, gets into so much trouble in many churches. It just becomes about what we want, what makes us feel good. And really worship is about what the Lord wants. And it's doing that in a spirit of uh, worshiping Him, Him, Him in spirit and in truth. And so when we think of the term worship service, it just reminds us, that we are the, that God is the audience and that we are the performers. We are the ones serving Him. The offering we bring to Him is to please Him. Let's read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. I love this verse. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So worship is important, but the exact phrase that they ask about, you're not going to find in Scripture just a term you might hear us use on the program. All righty. Uh, you want to know about diet here. Uh, what does the Bible teach about what we can eat or not eat? Well, the Bible includes both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, like I just talked about when we were talking about the correspondence course, you need to know the difference. And diet is one of the huge differences. The Old Testament is full of dietary rules. Uh, don't eat this, can't eat this. Don't eat this together with this, on and on and on. Uh, we believe most of those uh, were for safety and health reasons. Now, some of them we can't figure out what the safety and health reason is. And I think some of them were just God teaching people holiness, uh, to do what He said, and this is set apart for me, and this is impure to me, and just taught them the, the difference there. But for instance, pork. Uh, pork is one food that the Old Testament says don't eat. And we know today, scientifically, that pork's one of the riskiest foods if you don't store it properly and if you don't cook it properly. If you don't cook it well enough or if you don't store it cold enough, uh, you get trichinosis. And we know it's a dangerous meat if you don't know how to store it and cook it. Well, in the old day, they didn't have very good refrigerators and they didn't have any thermometers to make sure that they'd get up to their right temperature while cooking. So God said, don't eat it. Just safer that way, probably. But all that's in the Old Testament. The New Testament, you don't find any rules like that. All such restrictions on food are taken away and specifically said they're taken away. So let's look at a few of those in just a minute. God said that all foods are clean. He told Peter that when he gave him that vision of all the different animals in the blanket. And Peter said, there's unclean food in there. I'm not going to eat any of that. And God said, don't call impure what I'm calling pure. So God was indicating a change in the dietary rules. Jesus 
also indicated the change. Let's look at Mark 7, 17 to 19. Uh, this is when he was arguing with the Pharisees about washing your hands and what you could eat and what you couldn't. And Mark records it this way. Jesus said, don't you see that nothing that enters man from the outside can make him unclean? And then Mark adds this parenthetical phrase. He says, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. So Jesus was kind of pre-advertising that, uh, that under the new covenant, everything's going to be clean. And then finally Paul said it, and let's look at Colossians chapter 2 and 16. Paul told the people that were, this is really what one of the things they worried about. Can we eat everything or do we have to follow the Old Testament rules? And Paul said, don't let anybody judge you about food or drink. Don't let anybody judge you. That doesn't have anything to do with Christianity now. So don't let people judge you about that. That's pretty clear confirmation uh, that no, the Bible, the New Testament, which we're under, does not give us any dietary restrictions. All right, before we run out of time here, let me invite you to visit the Church of Christ. We've talked a couple of questions about Churches of Christ today. Uh, the Churches of Christ keep us on the air, and like I said, independently decide to support us. And so we like to thank them, and every so often we talk about the home church of Know Your Bible. And let me do that today, the Northside Church of Christ up on North Meridian, uh, north part of Wichita, on your way to Valley Center, just north of 96 where we uh, operate and we'd be thrilled to have any of you drop in and visit sometime. I'd uh, love to meet you and know that you watch the program. Uh, drop in anytime. Got a great program on Thursday nights at 7 o'clock called Celebrate Recovery. Open to anybody in the community that's uh, looking for help with uh, some of their hurts, habits, or hang-ups. We, we've got a great program going there. Great youth group. If you got a teenager, good place for them to go i got a lot of good things going on, lots of good folks there at Northside. Come visit us sometime. 10 o'clock worship on Sunday morning. Uh, whatever market you're in, if you're searching for a church home, there's probably a Church of Christ near you. Drop in and visit them sometime. You'd be warmly welcomed. All right, Toby, heaven question. Yes, if you were asked, <clears throat> will we be able to recognize our loved ones when we get to heaven? Well, I think so, and in truth, I really hope so. I've had enough folks in my life that have gone on to the other shore that I uh, really long for the day more and more. And I think this is true as the older we get, uh, people that we long to see again. And uh, the truth is Scripture doesn't give us a great detail about the other side. Uh, Luke chapter 16, when Jesus told the story of the rich man and Lazarus, he indicated, and it seems from the way he tells the story, uh, that the uh, rich man was able to remember. He had conscious awareness. He knew people who were back in the land of the living. And, uh, you know, he was able to, to uh, recognize people over there. And so uh, it seems that, that that would be the case. seems reasonable to me. Uh, Jesus said, don't store up treasure on earth, store up treasure in heaven. Well, what treasure can you store up in heaven? The only treasure I can think of is people. And so it makes sense to me that we should be able to see them. Revelation chapter 7 in John's vision, uh, he there says that the ones wearing the white robes were known. And so I, I think to me the answer is yes, but we don't really have exact book, chapter, verse that we can give you. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be over, will be also. I think that's what's going to make heaven so great. All righty. Thank you, Toby, and thank you for your good questions today. Let's answer our trivia question before we quit today. The sister of Moses and Aaron, her name was Miriam. Exodus chapter 2, you can read about Miriam and what she did at Moses' birth, by the way. Glad you've been with us today. Hope we got to your question. If not, come back next week. See if we do then. Until then, we hope you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.